0: Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo.
1: Amen, amen. We are, I am so excited to continue on our series on the life of David. And today we are looking at like a really special, a very key aspect of pursuing God in this life who was um, characterized as being a man after God's own heart. See, what we just did a few moments ago, what the choir was doing was reflective of a heart that's after God. When we reach out to him, how many know we reach out to him because our hearts are after him? How many would say amen with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And David had a heart after God. He wanted to please God, I believe, because he read the scriptures and he immediately understood the value of worshiping God. David was a man In our history, in the history of the church, that actually sort of led the way. And his very life was an amazing teaching about going after, being, pursuing the Lord. And one of the ways that he would pursue the Lord is that he would worship the Lord. He would worship the Lord sometimes with songs, sometimes with sacrifices. But he was constantly worshiping God and praising God And I believe, as we go to talk about this, this is a very important message from this vantage point. So before I put anything up and I need to explain something up front, but here's what I believe. I believe that speaking as the pastor of Chicago Tabernacle, okay, now when you have kids, all my kids are grown up and out of the house, but when you have kids, as your kids are growing up, you notice things about them things that are good, like sometimes maybe your kid is getting an A in math, and they're getting a C or a D in science, so what do you do? You get them some help where? In science. Get them a tutor or whatever. And uh, that's what you do as a parent. You want to support them, and you want them to grow up. If there's a certain kind of behavior, attitude, principle that they're practicing that you're like that's not good for them. You talk to them about it and you want to teach them the right way. How many understand what I'm talking about? Well, as a pastor, what I want to talk about today I believe that as a church we can be better at and we need to be better at this because if we'll get better at this, our lives will be blessed and our church will be of greater influence for the glory of God. How many wanna be blessed and be an influence? Amen? And what I, I wanna, what I think that we need to grow in and can grow in is, is worship. Everyone say worship. worship. David was a man after God's own heart because he lived a life of worship. Now, what is worship? Very quickly, okay, what is worship? Worship is the act of ascribing worth to God regardless of circumstances or environment. Okay, it's the act of ascribing or assigning worth to God. Here's how David wrote it. He said, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory, do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And so he was speaking in a sense to to the spiritual realm, even to the angels under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he was saying basically, look, attach worth to God. Attach value to God. Give God praise according to how worthy he is, according to how valuable he is, according to how amazing he is. That's the way you should worship him. You see? I worked at the Beacon Theater in New York when I was about 16 years old. And um, literally from a non-Christian perspective, I used to trip a little bit because I I was an usher. So I'd take people to their seats. Hopefully they gave you a tip. And um, uh, there were groups would come in, and these people would worship the people on stage. You know, those concerts are worship services. You look back at, at, uh, you look back at, and even today, if you pan, if you you pan the the crowds in, in some of these concerts, people are crying and they're like having an experience. You see, I saw that with my own eyes. My wife mentioned earlier, Michael Jackson concerts, the Beatles, the women would go into frenzies when they came and they would worship. You understand, that's going on all the time And when you worship, you're saying you're so valuable that you're worthy to be celebrated. Now, we do this all the time. We ascribe worth virtually every day. For example, let's say you're going to buy a car and uh, you're going to buy an old car, for example. What do you do when you're going to buy a car? You go to Kelly Blue Book. Toyota 2007. You're 85,000 miles. Well, then here's what Kelly Blue Book says is the value. We do this all The time every day we are ascribing value to one thing or another. In our office, uh, my assistant uh, is uh, is getting married. She told me this morning, 26 days. Shelley's getting married in 26 days, and um, and so, Amen, Amen. That's all right. You don't have to praise. She's doing plenty of praising. So. Uh, uh, but the but the point is is that so when you're in that realm, then you value rings and diamonds. And uh, if you remember, I said so. I said, hey, when you when you go to buy a ring, it's three C's. And she said, no, it's four C's. <laughs> see, if you go to buy a diamond, it's it's carat, color, clarity, and cut. I forgot the fourth one. You see. But that's how you value a diamond. So if you buy a house, for example, right, you get an appraiser and he gives you the value of the house. You see? And worship is our assigning value to God. Worship is, is, is our estimation of how great, how wonderful, how powerful, how worthy he is, how good he is. Worship is an expression of how grateful we are for all that he's done and for all of who he is. Yes. You see, your worship is a reflection of how much you value him. And by the way, it's regardless of circumstances or environment it has nothing to do with culture it has nothing to do with personality the bible is emphatically clear and the way you know that is just when something really gets you you see you see emotion come out of people when something really gets them for some people it's the cubs for some people it's this or some people it's that you know for it, it all depends on what you happen to be into but people can lose their decorum in, like, when the right thing is in front of them because of how they value it, you know. And it has nothing to do with your circumstances. You see, it has to do with we talked about, that your perceptions, last week, your perceptions influence your pursuits. So I, if, when I was in Africa, I was just in, in Zambia, and let me tell you something, I learned so much. I went there to try to serve those people but those people taught me so many things and I want to show you I want to just because you might be here today and you have a hard time worshiping and you're like well if, if your life was as difficult as my life well you would have a hard time worshiping too well I want to put something in front of you because these people have nothing this is in a remote bush this is a, in a little thatched place this is a little thing watch the way these people worship for a minute Let me tell you something. Listen, listen. No bathrooms there. You got to go outside. Okay? No beds there. Right? No cars there. On average, one meal a day if they're lucky. And it's their one meal a day is one third of our one meal a day on a good day for them. Their one meal a day could be an apple, their one meal a day could be uh, an orange. They could be, but see, it has nothing to do with your circumstances. What it has to do is that when you get a glimpse, remember, when we, we can push past the veil of what's happening in our lives. And we got, that's why you got to get alone with Jesus. When you get alone with Jesus, he starts to push it all out and you start to see the face of God. And then none
0: of these little things matter. And you begin to give him glory and give him honor and give him praise. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, O oh God.
1: And listen, if they can praise him like that, how should we praise him? Because he blesses us 10 times more. What if you do have bread? You know, what if you do have shoes? What if you do have this? And what are we going to say? Oh, we got this because of us. I'm telling you right now, it's not because of us. The Bible says, not unto us be the glory,
0: but to God be all the glory. To God be all the honor and all the praise. Hallelujah. The fool
1: says in his heart, there is no God, the Bible says. That's what the fool says in his heart. Look at the way Jack Hayford said this before we read the text. He said, we most honor the God who created us and the Lord Jesus who redeemed us when, everyone say when. When we ascribe the right value to him. When we ascribe the right value to him. He is worth our praise. He is worth our adoration. He is worth our exaltation. If they can exalt Jay-Z, and Beyonce
0: how many know we should be able to exalt Jesus come on put your hands together for a moment hallelujah Lord we bless you Lord we bless you we bless you we bless you oh God
1: hallelujah blessed be the name of the Lord it's crazy the world worships their God and the people of God don't worship the king of glory you know so, today, we're going to be looking at the power of worship in the life of David. And we're going to see, we're gonna, there's some very important things for us to listen and really learn and put into practice. We need to put this into practice. Amen? So, this is a unique but very powerful and important story thousands of years old, but speaks right to the moment that you and I are living in today. 1 Samuel chapter 16, beginning with verse 14. It says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. I'm going to explain this in a few moments, all right? So uh, uh, we'll get to this in the, in the message. It says, Saul's attendant said to him, see an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring them to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the liar. He's talking about David. Last week we talked about that God rewards openly what's done in secret. When we seek God in private, he finds us and rewards us in public. You see, Saul didn't know him. They didn't know him, but God knew him. And let me tell you, when we seek God, this is from last week's, last week's message, God finds us and blesses us. And this is a simple yet powerful example of that in his life. Saul said to his descendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre, which I'm sure he sang when he was hanging out with those sheep says, he's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service for I am pleased with him. One day with the sheep, the next day with the king. Powerful. He's a reward of them that diligently seek him. It says, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. And then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. What an amazing passage of scripture. The title of the message today is David Pursued God in Worship and Chased Away Demons. Now I know that this is a pretty radical title, but this is exactly what happened, okay? And what, it, and, and what happened back then can still happen now. You see, God can do something in our hearts and in our lives so that when praise goes up, the devil has to run out. How many believe that? And so I want us to pray, listen, there's, something, there's some things that are very important for you to learn. Open your heart. This might challenge you. It might challenge your spiritual culture, your spiritual background. It might challenge your personality. But set it all aside today because how many know God's ways are always better than our ways? (laughs) The key is to line up with God's way. So we want to line up, but you have to learn. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for this day and this time. And we ask that you would teach us and show us, open our eyes, give us ears to hear. And God, we want to we pursue you better. We want to be men and women like David after your own heart. We want to be a church, Lord, that's after your own heart. We don't want to please men, okay? We want to please you. So bless this word. Show us the way that we should go. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said Amen and amen. Blessed be the name of God. So very quickly now, what we're going to do is learn some very important things about worship. Number one, this passage teaches us that worship determines atmospheres. Worship determines atmospheres. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul... And an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Like I said, I'm going to explain this in a moment. But it's important for everyone to understand that God chose Saul and God chose David. The difference between Saul and David was that David was a man after God's own heart and Saul was not. Saul had every opportunity, but Saul just wouldn't seek him. Saul wouldn't worship him. Saul wouldn't pursue him. Saul wouldn't go after him. David went after him. David pursued him. It's that plain. It's that simple. And so what happened was, is that because Saul didn't really want God, God said, okay, well then I release you. Okay, I release you. Now, what that means is that you and I can live in a very different atmosphere. It all depends on what you're seeking and what you're pursuing. Whatever we pursue determines the atmosphere that we live in. David's atmosphere was light. It was full of joy, unspeakable, and full of glory because he was always seeking God and looking at the face of God. Saul rejected God, and so God God released him. God rejected him. God is a gentleman. He says, you don't want me? Fine, have it your way. But how many know there's consequences? You see? So look, in the New Testament, here's what the Bible says. Here's a classic example. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Okay, don't get full of wine and, and the world, it, it leads you astray, but it says instead, everyone say instead. Instead, one option or another, be filled with the spirit. And then when you're filled with the spirit, you're speaking to one another with psalms and and hymns. And look, and songs from the spirit. And then here's what happens. Here's the atmosphere of the spirit-filled life. You sing, come on, read this with me. You sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You see, this is, what, this is the atmosphere of someone who's seeking God and getting full of God. Well, there's a music flowing from their heart. You see, for some people, it's a different atmosphere. We, we need to understand how powerful atmospheres are. I've got a quick example for you. So let's take the earth's atmosphere. Okay, if you're hanging out down here, okay, way down there on the green, right, you could just hang out. It's all good why because the environment is conducive to our living and being alive the oxygen all of the all of the things that we have here now if you go up into the stratosphere you can survive in the stratosphere if you're in a plane okay so i flew in from virginia yesterday If we were at 30,000 feet in the plane, it's all good. How many know if I was up there, no plane, no good? You see? I couldn't handle it up there. Not for long. That atmosphere is not conducive to our being alive. The higher you go, the thinner the air gets. Elevation sickness and all of those kinds of things. Now, if you go all the way up there, you got to be in a space shuttle or a rocket. You got to have, that's even more specialized because up there we would not be able to survive. The atmosphere is not conducive to life. We have to understand how powerful atmospheres actually are. We know this uh, uh, because in certain parts of even our country, there are certain things that won't grow. So the way we address that is we create a greenhouse. A greenhouse is a controlled environment that creates an atmosphere so that plants, trees, that would normally not grow in that natural environment because the environment has been changed and altered. Now it's conducive to growth. You see, well, you and I get to determine the kind of atmosphere that we live in. You can live in an atmosphere of light and joy and peace and blessing. Or you can live in an atmosphere of darkness, discouragement, defeat, ugliness. That's the way it is. It's all our choice. You see, this whole week, we've lived in one atmosphere or another. You guys made choices and decisions about what kind of atmosphere we want to live in. Now, I want to, I want to go back. To, could you go back to the verse? Look, very quickly, because we need to touch upon this. All right? It says, now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. An evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Okay, now, now we're going to take a couple minutes. I want to teach you some things about interpreting the Bible. Okay? Because someone might read this and say, well... What kind of God is that that sends evil spirits on people, right? That's the way you could read this. But I'm going to teach you this is very, very important. When you read the Bible, you have to understand a few things. First of all, revelation is a historical progression. Which means that there are certain points in scripture like at this point in time, that God's revelation was limited. It was not complete. So at this point in time, God's spirit didn't live inside of people. God's spirit only came on people. In the New Testament, we're born again. How many are thankful that we can be born again of the spirit of God? You couldn't be born again back then. Christ had not come. Christ had not purchased salvation. You understand? And so at this point in time, the spirit of God would come upon people and protect people. Or the spirit of God could could depart from people. If someone didn't want God, God would lift his spirit. Now because the atmosphere that we live in spiritually is adversarial. Everyone say adversarial. adversarial. Adversarial means that there are adversaries. Okay, it means that there are two enemies fighting forces, one force against another. Because the atmosphere is adversarial, when God lifts his spirit, well, our enemy brings his spirit. That's the reality of things. You see, if you take God out, well, guess what? Whatever doesn't have God will ultimately be filled by the devil because that's what he wants to do. That's the nature of the world that we live in. It's one or the other. It's black or white, it's light or dark. You understand? It's, it's, it's the king of glory or the king of deception. Now, here's what Augustine said, very important. A famous theologians put it this way when interpreting the Bible. It says, interpret darker passages with the more clear. Interpret darker passages with the more clear, which means when you read something in the Bible and you go, man, this really makes me scratch my head. I don't fully get it. Well, you've got to, the best thing that you could do instead of taking that literally and trying to build your whole theology off of one thing, What you should do is look for other passages because Scripture interprets Scripture. And remember, the New Testament, the New Covenant is the final authority, the final revelation. So we have to interpret the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Amen. You see, and so here's what, the, here's what more a clearer statement of this reality actually is. In Romans, it says, for although they knew God, same principle, same, same dynamics, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Why? Because when a person doesn't want to give glory to God and ascribe worth to God, because they reject that focus of mind and heart and spirit, then they end up focusing on other things and they become, their thinking becomes foolish and their thinking is futile and foolish and their minds and hearts become darkened. How does someone get a dark mind? It's because they refuse to give God the credit for his creative power, for his amazing love, for how he takes care of us and watches over us. They refuse to do that. You know, I just heard a story. I got to tell you this real quick. I was in Virginia speaking at a friend of mine's church. And one of the guys in his church is a marshal, a federal marshal. And... Um, he worked undercover. We heard, he told me all of these amazing stories about this guy. So he was working undercover and they were targeting in one guy. And to, so it was set up for them on Monday to go pick this guy up. And they had a whole task force. And I mean, these guys are running in with vests and big guns. And they're like, hey, you know, you got to be ready to shoot first because we're, we're dealing with major criminals, drug dealers, all this stuff. So he worked undercover. And I was undercover with with these biker gangs and all this. And but he was a Christian, so he's going to church. And when he gets to church, he's walking with his kids. He looked up, and right in front of him, the guy, he had known, he knew all of this guy's stuff. The guy who they were about to bust and lock up was right there. So he says to his wife, I gotta go, and he leaves. Okay. So he's like, he's like, what in the world is going on here? So sure enough, they get the team ready. They ride up to the house. And when they're riding up to the house, there's a man there sitting in front of the, of the guy's house reading the Bible. So, so uh, he's like, what in the world? I'm, I'm, this is a drug bust. The guy's reading a Bible. An old man with hair. So he calls his pastor and says, hey, do you know such and such a family? He goes, oh, yeah, the parents come to our church. Their parents are serious God seekers, and their son is a wild maniac of a guy. He's a maniac. He said, but this past Sunday, he came and he gave his heart to the Lord. So listen, he has such a profound meeting with God. And he repented and everything else. So he's on the phone and he's surrounded by all of these kind of ATF guys or whatever. And they're hearing the story. And he's got the warrant and everything else. And the guy wasn't there. His father was there. I don't know what he was waiting for. The guy may have gone someplace or whatever. And he, he, he looks at the thing and you know what the guys said? Non-Christians, they said, yo, give the guy a break, man. If he met God, give him a break. They tore up the warrant and left. So listen, listen, listen. Here's what he said. That guy. We'll never know the amazing mercy of God upon his life until he gets to heaven. <laughs> how many know when we get to heaven, all of our near misses that were angels protecting us. How many know we're going to find out all kinds of amazing, amazing things that God did for us. You see, we don't understand the mercy of God, but what we do have to understand is that we can be in one atmosphere or another. The devil, God wants us, but the devil wants us too. And if we're not careful, the devil will take hold of our mind. Could we put that verse back up again one more time? Look, it says, therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts. Sometimes God says, you want sin? Have it. You know, he says, you want sin, you want, you want this, you want that, have it, go ahead. It says, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged exchange the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So many people, they worship statues. They worship false gods. They worship all of these things that they make up. They worship the sun and the moon and the stars. Why? It's because they know if they worship the one and true God, they have to bow their hearts in submission and surrender. And so people rather worship this thing because it frees them not to live in submissive obedience to God. But what God says is, you don't want me. God, fine, have your way. Okay? And then here's what happens. It says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what, they ought, what ought not to be done. So here's what this passage of scripture is teaching us, okay? What this passage of scripture is teaching us is, look, and we're watching this all over our culture. All over, right now, we're watching this happen. The most gifted men, okay, in every field, they're falling, And falling, you know why? Because even though they're educated, even though some of them have PhDs, even though they have money, even though they have this, the depravity of the human heart when it rejects God ultimately takes over. Why? Because if it wasn't for God's grace, where would you and I be? Right, if God didn't change you, if God didn't change me, would everything be great? No. You see so seeking god ascribing worth to god is not only correct and proper okay but that atmosphere of seeking god is actually good for us you see when you seek god when you worship god it keeps you focused and aligned and blessed but when you reject god he says okay if you want to reject me go ahead and then and then what do you live in you live in darkness god releases us you see so the first thing that we learn is that there's an atmosphere. What, what what was your atmosphere this week? I want to encourage you. Some of us we need to turn off that all of that nonsensical secular music. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You look consistent with a lot of these these. Uh, these uh, 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 mass shootings, a lot of the young kids especially, they say hours and hours and hours of that, that disgusting, violent, vile, dark, heavy metal. they just pumping it and pumping it and winding themselves up. It's an atmosphere. Then they go and do evil. You know, some of us need to turn off Netflix. Some of us need to, need to say, instead of, instead, of, instead of being so caught up with all this stuff in the world, we need to go take a walk with Jesus. Have a little talk with Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. He can work it out. So listen, here's the second thing that this teaches us, okay. The second thing that this teaches us, which is so vitally important to today, is this. It's that worship is a prescription. Everyone say prescription. Yes, worship is a spiritual uh, prescription. Look, they said, let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the liar. He He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. He gave them a prescription. This is a spiritual prescription. You see, some people they have to take medication for this issue or they have to take medication for that issue. And when you go to the doctor, he gives you what? A prescription. This is the medication. Well, I've got a prescription for someone today. Someone here is battling with discouragement. Someone here is battling with a sense of darkness, a sense of loneliness, a sense of depression. And listen, there is a place for medication. There's a place for counseling. But I want to encourage you to try this prescription. You need to start worshiping and praising God
0: and giving him glory. And watch things change by the power of God.
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Before we run after all of these things, why don't we try God's prescription for our lives? You know, when I was a kid, when I was, uh, when I was 17 years old, between 17, 18, and 19, forgive me for the personal reference, but I'm going to tell you about this firsthand. So, look, when I was a freshman in high school, okay, I was on senior varsity in baseball. Freshmen typically don't get on the varsity team. I was not just on senior varsity, but I was the best pitcher, the best player on varsity as a freshman. My freshman year on varsity, I won eight eight games. Nobody could beat me. One of the teams that we played against, the guy who who I pitched against, he did hit a couple rockets off of me, but I still beat him. Uh, (laughs) The guy who I pitched against was the number one pick in the nation, and he ended up being the starting shortstop for the Chicago Cubs, Sean Dunson. I grew up with Sean Dunson. Okay, so look, I beat Sean's team twice as a freshman. He was a senior, I was a freshman. I signed my first autograph at 14 that summer. I'm playing in the park and two little kids come over with a the baseball. And they go, yo, where's Al Toledo? Who's Al Toledo? We heard about Al Toledo. And I'm like, why, why? And they come and they say, would you please sign this ball? We know you're going to be famous one day. Okay, listen, listen, I'm not telling you to, I'm just telling you to understand. My whole life I was, I was raised up to be a famous baseball player. Then I give my heart to the Lord. I get injured. Or it's just a big soap opera. All of a sudden, my arm starts to hurt. When my arm started to hurt, no one around me understood what was going on in my life. All right? So I told my dad, Dad, my arm hurts. And I was, and I was, I was still throwing 85. I threw, I threw low to mid-90s, but I was still throwing 85. So my dad would say, Yo, something's in your head. You don't throw 85 or 86 when your arm hurts. What's wrong? And he kept saying, what's wrong? I was like, Dad, I'm telling you, I don't get afraid when I'm on the field, Dad. you got to believe me. He said, something's in your head. So all of a sudden, all around me, it started to spread. Something is in Al Toledo's head. Okay, so I went from that. My friends said, oh, he be, I became a Christian. So he became a fanatic. This, I quit baseball and I was just all alone. My family, isolated from my family, isolated from my friends. And then I got to church, but I didn't know anyone in church. And I'm going to tell you right now, it took me way too long to get embedded in the church. Don't sit on the edge. You need the body of Christ. But I didn't do that because I didn't know. So I was by myself. For the first year and a half, even coming to church, I was sitting in church and cry because I was in a depression. Okay? So I was in this great depression. Not understanding, not knowing anyone at church. I didn't have the wherewithal to really talk to people. Sooner or later, somebody became my friend and started to help me. But when that was going on, I heard a song that the kids were singing. All right. Now look, I was, I was like 18 years old, kid from New York, tough guy, ready to fight, anything. And yet I was absolutely broken and I heard this song uh, uh, that the kids were singing. And I was depressed, I didn't know what to do. I was walking around crying, taking the train, crying. And, I, and the song went, went like this. Uh, I will cast all my cares upon him. I will lay... All of my sorrows down at your feet. And any time I don't know just what to do, I will cast all my cares upon you. That's a song they taught the little children at the church and I heard it. And I was embarrassed to sing I felt like a punk singing that song. But I sang it like 8,000 times. I sang it over and over and over. And I remember, I remember that the darkness, the discouragement would come. And I would sing, I will cast all my cares. I didn't know anybody. You see, I didn't know I was alone. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't know what to do. But let me tell you something. You might be alone today. In fact, USA Today says there is a loneliness index right now. And the loneliness index is higher in our young people than ever before. Why is there such a rash of suicide? It's because people
0: are surrounded with everything, but they have nothing. But I'm telling you right now, there's a prescription for loneliness. All we have to do is get in the presence of Jesus and worship him. Hallelujah. He's the friend that sits closer than the brother. Hallelujah. It's not what's going on in your life. He's as close as the mention of your name, of his name.
1: All you have to do is reach out to him. About six or seven years ago, this song came out when we were going through some tough times. Uh, 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 what's that song, brother? We played it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Right here, as a pastor, we were going through some tough, some tough, tough times. Didn't know what to do, and that song came out. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Don't even play it. Don't even play because I didn't have music when I was walking in the park. We'll play in one second. <laughs> and I'm not interested in doing solos here. But listen, walking in the park, walking in your bedroom, walking around in the basement. God, I look to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. To see things like you do, God, I look to you, you're where my help comes from, give me wisdom, you know just what to do. Listen over and over again. God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision, that's what somebody needs today. To see things like you do, God I look to you, you're where my help comes from, no he's where our help is. Give me wisdom, you know just what to do. Come on, let's praise God, he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. I have a prescription for somebody today. I have a prescription for someone today. I'm telling you right now, you go get into the presence of God. Thou, O oh Lord, David said, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter
0: of my head. Are you being surrounded by the enemy? Hallelujah. Let Jesus surround you. He's your glory. He's the shield about you. Sing to Him. Hallelujah.
1: <clears throat> Saul, 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 I know what the prescription is. You know what you need? You need a change in atmosphere. You need to change an atmosphere. Brothers and sisters, the king of glory still reigns on the earth. But see, look, worship is the invitation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with what? Praise. Worship is the invitation. Some of us, oh, we go to God and we want to solve, 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 complain, complain, to complain. Meanwhile, he already solved it like ten times. But we forget about what God does. We just ignore what God does and we go back to him again. And we're like, come on, come on, come on, come on. You understand? Meanwhile, what we should be doing is lifting our hands to him. Here's, here's a song that I burn out. Day and night. Night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Come on, lift your hands. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise little louder everyone day and night night and day let incense arise day and night night and day let incense arise day and night night and day let incense arise day and night night. Night and day, let incense arise. Listen, listen. There's a prescription today for oppression. Okay? There's a prescription for depression. There's a description for the hopelessness and the gloom that this, the spirit, the prince of the power of the air is Satan himself. And he brings this gloom over the earth. But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. How many know when the praise goes up, the devil runs out? (laughs) Hallelujah. So this is the last point and then we're going to close. Here's the last thing that we learn about worship. At a certain point, the more you live in worship, the more you develop a heart and a lifestyle of worship like David did, okay? You grow in worship. Okay, how many want to grow in worship? Let me see your hands. Amen. We got to grow in worship. So listen, the more you grow in worship, the more you set aside your personality, the more you set aside culture, there is no way you can prove from the Bible that we shouldn't lift our voices and lift our hands and lift our hearts. Even the world knows how to worship their gods with praise and adoration. Even the world does. No one can tell me
0: that it's not biblical to lift our voices. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph, the Bible says. Give him glory and honor and praise, the Bible says.
1: I don't know how somebody could read the Bible and say you're not supposed to praise God. Even Jesus offered up loud cries and tears. Even Jesus sang a hymn, listen, the night that Jesus was betrayed, after he took communion and served it out, guess what Jesus did? He sang a hymn. So here's what happens. At a certain point, if you live a lifestyle of worship, you become like David and you learn that worship is a weapon. Everyone say worship is a weapon. Hallelujah. Worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. It says, whenever the Spirit of God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. You need to understand what was going on. Darkness would come in. Darkness would come in. The enemy would come in and they say, Call David. Get David. Because we need David. We need someone anointed. In the last
0: service, we prayed. How many know this is our David right here? And this is our David. Come on out. All of these musicians, we need them to have the anointing of David. How many would say amen?
1: We need them to be devil chasers. You see... So something happens, something happens, you can grow to the point that, that, that when, when the enemy comes, you start to lift up your voice in worship and praise. Let me tell you something, the devil hates when you praise him. The devil hates when you worship him. That's why whenever you're a little discouraged, the best thing to do is begin to praise God. That Satan has to go like this. He can't handle it. He just runs. When God gets the glory, when the praise goes up, all of the devils and all of the demons, they have to run out. Listen, listen, I had one more slide. I'm sorry, I called y'all once. Look at this. Look at what Jack Hayford said. Look, look. The weight of his glory, exalted in worshiping the Father and magnifying his Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it does. Impacts, reshapes, and alters our character and conduct. Look, it liberates, releases, and loosens us from the hold of sin and self. It unleashes the ministry life of of Jesus Christ in our daily lives if you want the power of Jesus flowing through your daily life then how many know every day God is worthy to be praised every day he's worthy for us to to lift him up and to bring him glory and listen and I'm going to close with this I'm going to close with this right now Okay? A lot of us don't understand that there are breakthroughs that are possible in your life and in your family. That the secret is not just saying, God, give me, give me, give me. The secret is saying, Jesus, I praise you. Amen. Jesus, I worship you. Listen, some of us come from generations of darkness. Some of us come from backgrounds of darkness, of, of all kinds of, uh, all kinds of, what in the world is going to clean up that environment? How many know praise sanctifies the environment? Praise gets all of the devils out of the room. What some of us need to do is we need to go to your houses full of fighting, all kinds of ugliness. What you need to do is go home and stand right in the middle of your living room and begin to worship God and begin to praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We need to just start worshiping God and watch, watch. And here's the thing, as a church, here's why we need to break through as a church. Here's how we need to break through as a church. You see, someone will walk into this building next Sunday and they've experienced nothing but hell itself. Okay, nothing but hell itself. And in a lot of ways, they don't even have the capacity to hear truth. That's the way it is. I know when I first went to the church, I was too broken to even hear things. But let me tell you something. When those people worshiped, something would, 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 would soothe my heart. You understand? How many want this church to be a mighty weapon for the glory of God? Lift your hands to him. Hallelujah. God, I look to you. I
0: won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. Know just what to do, God, I look to you, Hallelujah. I won't be old. As we sing, as we sing, if you're battling Give with depression, if you're battling with discouragement, see like lead the way you in you're singing, God, I look to you,
1: you're where my help
0: comes from.
1: I need to, I need to follow what I feel the Spirit of God is saying. If you're here today, and you need your spirit lifted, somebody, there's some people here. Doesn't matter I, what it is. Some people uh, have been attacked by the enemy all week. I called a friend of mine this past week on Tuesday. I was just troubled in my spirit. An amazing man of God. But I said I sent him a text. Should I say? And said, hey, are you okay? I'm burdened for you. He says, I can't believe you reached out to me. Thank you. He said, I'm under, my family's under attack. We've got this huge financial problem. It's a big mess and I've been losing hope. I'm trying not to lose hope. And I said, we're going to pray for you in the prayer meeting. We're going to reach out to God. Maybe you're here and you need your spirit lifted. Look, the people... already started to respond we're gonna sing over you we're gonna surround you with songs of deliverance as the Bible says if that's you slip out of your seat quickly we don't have a lot of time but we're gonna pray the depression the
0: oppression the discouragement the hopelessness we're gonna sing it right off of them come on everyone lift your voice and sing over them let's exercise the weapon from. give me wings
1: Everyone look at me for a second. See, this is what I'm talking about. We're rookies. We're rookies in spiritual warfare. See, some of you are sitting out there, and this is you. Today's not your day to be at the altar. Okay, can I be your pastor today and talk straight to you? You have to learn how to carry a burden for spiritual burden for someone else. When your day is okay, you need to learn how to feel like your day is not okay for someone else. You understand? Right now, we're not singing about you. We're singing for them. We need to lift our voices because these people have reasons. We don't know what their reasons, but every time, all of us have our seasons. But this place is supposed to be a place that lifts the brokenhearted and lifts the discouragement. And listen, all of you who are up front, sing to God. Don't come with your head down. Look at me, everyone who's up front, okay?
0: I've been there. I'm describing it to you. I've been there. All right, I've been discouraged. I've been, I've been like frustrated with life and even with the Lord. But listen, on our worst day, He is worthy to be praised. On our worst day, He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 I will love you, mark. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We declare your freedom. We declare your freedom. We declare your freedom in the name of Jesus, oh God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. Satan be gone from this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, God. You're always worthy to be praised, oh God. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name.
1: We worship you, God. You're greater than all of our circumstances, all of our situations. We push beyond the veil today and we look at the face of Jesus. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. It's in you, Lord. It's in you, Lord. We know there's more that's found in you.
0: It's in you, Lord. It's in you, Lord. We know there's more. Come on, every mouth, all the hands up to Him, everyone. It's in you.
1: Father, we thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, supernatural liberty. We thank you that you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. We thank you that no matter what's around us, you are a shield about us. You're our glory and the lifter of our heads. God, as your people go from this place, I pray, Lord, that we would take the prescription. I pray, God, that we would be unleashed on every atmosphere that we walk into. God use our worship as a weapon wherever we go. Send your people out and let praise rise in homes like never before. Let praise rise in cars and in elevators, oh God. Lord rise in the park, oh God, rise in the yard, oh God, rise from the basement, oh God. You're worthy to be praised at all times. Release your people, oh God. And may the freedom and blessing be upon everyone as they go. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said. Come on, let's give him one more hand of praise. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Listen, we've gone late. If you don't have kids, we need you to move really quickly to turn it around. God bless you, everyone.